0: All right, welcome to the first-of-its-kind, world-changing Manufacturers Network. Lisa Ryan has her ears to the ground and her heart in the game. Get ongoing education and new connections right here with
1: Lisa and the Manufacturers Network. Buckle your seat, listen, and spread the word. Here's Lisa.
0: Hey, it's Lisa Ryan. Welcome to the Manufacturers Network podcast. Our guest today is Rich Morin. Rich has spent 20 years helping companies recruit, interview, hire, and retain employees that fit their culture. He spent eight years in the U.S. managing the sales of two Fortune 500 companies, selling Boeing, Sikorsky, General Dynamics, General Motors, Ford, Mack Truck, and many others. He also trained many managers in leadership and coaching skills including helping sales forces become more competent and confident in sales skills. Rich, welcome to the show.
1: Well, I appreciate it, and thank you very much for the opportunity.
0: Absolutely. Well, Rich, share with us about your background and really what led you to doing what you're doing.
1: It's a short story, really. 21 years ago, I I was involved with a training company and who also were Uh, dealers for Profiles International hiring assessments. So I have remained, although that company has met its demise, I'm still a a very active dealer with Profiles International, which puts me front and center with companies looking to recruit, interview, hire, coach, and retain the kinds of people that fit their company and culture. So I have spent a good amount of time uh, interviewing on behalf of my clients sometimes, but not always, of course but providing the tools that adds objectivity to the hiring process. So we all have been guilty of hiring somebody on a gut feel. And a short while later, we regretted that gut feel because, boy, the good feelings are gone. (laughs) And then you have to terminate the person. And uh, without objective data, that still happens too often. So that led me into that.
0: Thinking about those profiles of people, you talked about that there was a certain gut feeling that went with it that could sometimes lead us to hiring wrong. So in today's workplace environment, where it's hard enough to find people, you really want to make sure that when you do, you're bringing on the right people. So how do profiles help you to do that, knowing about that person before they ever come on board?
1: Well, there's two answers to your question. First, and speaking about profiles as an example, a pattern is made of the position. So the company takes a hard look at what do they expect from this position and person. And then the applicant then completes a series of questions. And these uh, cover the gamut from mathematics to general knowledge to verbal skills and so on and so forth. And so out of it becomes a match against the pattern which is created by the company. So now you have the job. Call it manufacturing manager or sales manager, doesn't matter. So there's a pattern. And then you see the fit. That is the level of fit between the applicant and the position. So and coming out of that where the applicant fell out of the grading. So if you can imagine, and I could send sample reports, of course, but on a scale of 1 through 10, if the position requires a 6, 7, 8, we'll say, and if the applicant hit a 2, which is weak, of course, It will generate interview questions to help examine that. Two things happen. The company then realizes, well, maybe they don't need as as high a level of skill or the person is flat out not going to make it. They're probably going to struggle if you do hire them for that position. But the good news is you can match them against a different position using their same data, and perhaps there's a better fit. So what comes out of this? You're right. You've got an applicant. In a very thin field these days, there's not a lot of them applying, but now if they don't fit the the first position they applied for, very gladly for them, they're offered a second position to which they fit and they go, wow, I'll take that job because they fit. And so part of this has got to do with their cerebral ability, if you will, their verbal skill, their verbal reasoning and their numerical skill and their numerical reasoning. After all, we are only critters that use numbers and words. And some people are good at numbers and some people are not. If the job requires a lot of the use of numbers, it's nice to know that up front. They might interview well, they might look great, but if they can't do numbers, they're going to struggle, they're going to hate it, they're going to leave, they're going to affect the culture of your company because they'll be moaning and groaning about how tough it is. It's because they never fit in the first place.
0: Well, and it sounds like this is something to really know each job description, to know what is entailed in that, to take a look at people who have been successful in that, so that you're not doing just an overall, an overall profile for your company, but is for that specific situation. So how does a company figure out how to build those profiles for each position that they're interviewing for?
1: Well. It's very simple, actually. The, uh, within the system, there's a library, and they can just scroll through and pick the exact title, if you will, or something that's very, very, very similar. Then they take it. Of course, they rename it to make it their company, right? Their name and so on. So that's one way. And the other way is they could do a job assessment survey. So it's a bunch of questions that ask, what does this job require? Now, here's the problem. So you'll have somebody who has been doing a job for 20 years or 30 years, we'll say. Well, their interpretation of what the job requires has changed. Now, they're still doing it, and everybody accepts that. But the new people coming in, there's new twists, new uh, communications requirements, new software requirements. And so in actuality, the job is not the one the person who's leaving has been doing. It's a very different job. So to your point, the companies have to be very aware of the changes that are happening so rapidly. And back to the assessment, they want to hire somebody who has got the capacity, the verbal skill and verbal reasoning. And just to elaborate on that, you know, some people can speak well, but they don't really understand a lot of the words. They can fool you because they they have a nice rhythm to their delivery. But they're really not that competent when it comes to language. And now, especially if you're in a multilingual situation where you're having people dealing with different languages, boy, well, language skills and you know verbal skill and reasoning are critical. And without repeating the numbers aspect, that as well. So those things are important. So now you have a profile of the current position requirements. Then you can do a match that makes sense.
0: Right, exactly. It also seems that it's really important to keep up to to date with people, because like you said, somebody's been in a position for 20 years, they had a job description, they're doing it, but looking at not what the position was, but what the position needs to be going forward, particularly, we're just coming out of this pandemic, uh, technology has changed just about every part of business. And so looking at Starting with today and looking into the future would be a really critical part for people as they're starting to look at who they need to hire and what kind of positions they need to fill, the talent that goes along with
1: that. Well, yes. And so that brings me up to a a different solution, if you will. So, fit. FirstTech.com is a company, 20 years in the business, of course, uh, a lot of business throughout North America. But what they do is unique. So to your point, companies are coming out. Now they're starting to hire. However, the job boards are not full of applicants. However, the job boards exist. And so whether it's Monster or whether it's Indeed or all these different job boards. But what what this system does is you create some questions, the applicants answer the questions and automatically they're funneled. So now if you instead of reading through 50 resumes and I'll just want to elaborate in a resume in a minute. But instead of reading 50 resumes, there's the funnel comes and the top three or five candidates are at the very top, not based on what they've done, because often what they've done is not really important versus what they're required to do. So now they've got their top applicants at the top, then they can read the resume, they can read the questions that are resultant, if you will, their replies to those questions. Now they have a real sense of who this person is and there's a speed element required here because you really want to answer these these applicants' um, application, if you will, rapidly because they are applying to multiple companies, which takes me back to resumes. So you've got a job for a forklift operator, and so 50 people apply. Do they really want to be a forklift operator? Well, not really. They want a job. Now, they will tell you they really always wanted to be a forklift operator. Boy, that was a dream job. Well, that's probably not true. So what, the, what these assessments do, they help you see through. And in fact, the forklift operator has got so much capacity, you offer them a position of warehouse manager because it happens to be a vacancy, and the guy goes, Yeah, I'd like that. Well, the reason he would like that is because he matches the requirements and he matches the questions. And it's what he is. It's what he is capable of, not what he has done or she has done. So that's where these come in. So the funneling helps deal with you're not getting a flood of applicants, but getting a number of applicants. So it funnels them. Gives you questions and then it goes further. It helps you coach them, which helps retain them and helps to onboard them, of course, because now you have more objective data about these applicants. And in fact, just one more element now it doesn't preclude you, the employer, from contacting referrals, but what it does is you can create questions. So now the applicant submits his five referrals. Questions go to the referrals, asking very pertinent questions about this person. Not, oh, he's a great guy and a nice girl, and he's been here five years. Who cares? I mean, we we want to know specifics about how they operate, what their good points, what their bad points, what kind of conflicts. You know, you can ask those kinds of questions. So now you have the whole story. Again, you can take the referral information and still speak with the referrals, but now you've got some real objective criteria that they responded to. And you're not trying to reach people on the phone. and You're not trying to call them and get a hold of them. And there's no time and you got to hire them and you haven't spoken to the referrals. Right. And, and
0: speaking to referrals is a critical part of that as well, because people can come across well in an interview. They can come across great on paper. But then when you actually take the time to ask the question to those referrals, you might find out things like. Ooh, that person won't work a single minute of overtime, or that person will never pitch into something that's not specifically on their job. So we find out these little personality quirks that may not show up necessarily in that interview process as well.
1: That is correct. And especially if you think about the challenge of being a leader these days. Now, I take exception to the word manager, and I'll explain I don't like to be managed, but you can sure coach and lead me. I, and I really don't know too many people that want to be managed. And just to stay on that for a moment, you look at a winning team of any kind, baseball, football, soccer, doesn't matter. Those teams are not managed to greatness. No, no. They're coached and led to greatness. Right. So these these assessments provide the, the quote managers who are now, if I had it my way, I'd promote them to coach and leader. But it gives them objective data to help coach and lead these people. Some of them will be better equipped than their leader. They will have more knowledge, more wisdom, more experience, more education. That's a good thing. So these in, these assessments help hire people that are better than the person interviewing because that should be the, the objective. You don't want to hire people smaller than yourself. Right.
0: So let's think think about that for a minute. So we've used the assessment. We found the person that we're going to hire. They're a good match for the position and for the company. We've checked out their referrals. What are some of the ways that you have seen your clients successfully onboarding these people? So the offer is made, but there may be a week or a couple of weeks before that person starts. And then once they start, you kind of want to hit the ground running. So what's that? T-minus two weeks to maybe the first month or two that that person's on board that would be a good way to onboard them?
1: Well, there's a a few different aspects to my reply. So the first would be that the culture of a company is so fragile. Everybody you bring in can either support it or undermine it and quick. And so you've decided to hire somebody, So who within your ranks is a great person, hard worker, focused, and loyal to the company? You know, and those people absolutely exist, many of them. Those are the kinds of people you want to team up with that new entrant into your company. Because those first few days will set the course. Now, too often, companies hire somebody and everybody's busy. So the person stumbles around, will go to this department, go to that department. But they're kind of on their own and they're forming sometimes wrong opinions about what's going on, about the helter-skelter ways in which things are happening, maybe because of a flood of orders, who knows, but they don't know that. So you really want to invest a good amount of time planning. It's the four P's, you know, you plan, you prepare, you practice, and then you perform. Well, you want your people uh, to have a planned entrance, uh, you want to really prepare them for them. You want them to practice. So now they're with people with seniority and experience. They're seeing the attitude. They're seeing the safety environment. These people are taking the time to explain how to do the work safely. And that includes ergonomics, how to get up from your chair, how to move your arms and wrists so you don't develop carpal tunnel syndrome. There's a lot goes into onboarding, but picking the people that that you want to team them up with Really goes a long way and helps establish what is required, and especially if it's multidimensional. So the one person introduces the new applicant to the next person and says, "Well, sometimes you'll be doing this person's job," and so there's a transfer of knowledge and it's smooth, and the person understands clearly what they've stepped into.
0: Exactly. Well, and that fi- figuring out that person, that that first day work buddy, is also important, but it helps in a couple different ways. Number one, that person who is your good employee, who's been with you, who has the right attitude, feels that they are valued because they are basically empowered to be that person's guide for their first couple weeks on the job. It makes the person that's starting feel more connected because, yeah, they're not sitting in a basement filling out paperwork for the first day of their job and nobody even knows they were supposed to be there. But you're also allowing a relationship to happen because we've probably all been there where that very first person that we meet our first day on the job or the first person that invites us out to lunch, that person is our friend for the rest of the time that we're there. So just making sure that you start those relationships right off the bat With something like that, it really gives a a much better onboarding experience to everybody involved.
1: Absolutely. And just to use sports as an example, I love sports. And I I think it's a great example about coaching and leading. But what do they do with a rookie? They give them the locker right beside the veteran. And why is that? Not any veteran, but the right veteran, because they see how they prepare. They see how they think. They see how they act. And that person takes them under the wing, off the field, off the ice, off the whatever. And they team them up with these people for why? For what reason? Well, they want them to be good. In the case of sports, you're paying them a lot of money. That doesn't mean they're going to be good. You really have to coach and lead. And again, you're right, uh, by teaming them and matching them up with somebody like a mentor. And the word mentor absolutely applies here. That goes on and it happens and that bond is established and they will link with that person for a long time because they've been matched correctly and their personalities meld and the position strength perhaps. Yeah, it's powerful and we also
0: look at the amount of investment that we have in that employee. I mean, not only have we spent all the time with the going through the interview process and the screening process and all of that, and then we're paying for the profile assessments to come through. And then we have that person come on that we could have invested thousands, if not tens of thousands of dollars in. And unless we are very Um, structured as far as how we're bringing that person on, how we're welcoming them to the organization, how we're making sure that on day one, that their workspace is set up. Maybe their business cards have been ordered, their password is ready, their desk is clean, their truck is clean, whatever it is. And people actually know that they are showing up for the job. So you spend all of this kind of money up front It's so important that you keep that in mind once that person starts and for the first two, three, six months that they're on board, because they probably have interviewed with other companies and are just as likely to say, huh, well, this company isn't what I thought it was. I'm out of here. And all of that money that you invested in them just walks out the door.
1: Absolutely. The two words that come to mind to support what you said are cost and price. So it costs a lot to bring somebody on board and it costs a lot if they do come on board when they do harm and they scare away your customers and they cause issues and they erode the the absolute fragile culture that you're trying so hard to create. So that's cost versus the price of an objective assessment. So now the person, the applicant has completed and you've taken the time, your HR people, whoever, whoever's interviewing takes the time to read the results. To look at the questions and then to interview the person using this objective data. Now all of a sudden, so for the for the price of two or three hundred dollars, depending, they have a very clear view of the person. And by the way, the applicant is impressed because now they've been asked to do something that other employers are not, and they're going, wow, this company put me through this assessment. And then, and by the way, they get a personal copy, not one that matches, but one that tells them about them and they go, wow, I didn't know that I was good at this or that, that I, this is, fits or this doesn't fit. And so they, it's a win-win. So cost versus price, let me assure you, yeah. <laughs> the price of an assessment is enormously cheaper than the cost of not using them. And let's face it, we've all made hires in haste. We've all made hires based on gut feeling and it doesn't work out very well too often.
0: Right. This past year, my husband was part of the great resignation. He Uh, was with a company for 13 years and uh, his priorities really shifted because he saw that as he starts to get to the end of his career, he really didn't want, he didn't feel valued, didn't feel appreciated. All these things that I talk about in my programs and company on LinkedIn found him And they put him through, they told him it was going to be a long process. And it was, it was about a two month interviewing process. And it included about six hours of personality assessments and everything that he, he did. But coming through it, they wanted to make absolutely sure that they got the right person in. And I will tell you, it was a match made in heaven because they, I mean, I could have told them right off the bat that Scott was going to be the greatest employee that they would ever hire. But I thought the funniest thing was in the areas where he scored the lowest were things like creativity and innovation. Well, he's a cost accountant. So those are really the things that you don't want people to be innovative and creative on. So I just thought that it was funny. But when I look at the last couple months of him being with this company how much of a difference and how value he how valued he felt right off the bat because i know that what he went through through that process that company had tens of thousands of dollars invested in him in that whole two month process because i don't i don't even know how many other people they were interviewing i'm just happy that they chose scott <laughs>
1: And that's a great example. And you talk about a win-win deal and how that company is going to be around for a long time because the loyalty your husband's going to show and they know him and they bring him in and it gets you away from ego. Again, I go back to the, uh, and again, I won't rant about the manager any longer, but you get the person who is a coach and leader and they're hiring people with greater capacities. and, And frankly, people that are more than they are But they're a good coach and leader. And they know that Bill Belichick, uh, coach of the New England Patriots, doesn't play football, but he sure brings people in who can, who are bigger, taller, stronger, faster than him. And that's what a good coach does. And that's what a good leader does. And that's what these instruments do, much like what your husband went through.
0: So if you were to think about in this whole onboarding process, obviously, the number one tip would be to make sure that you're investing in assessments or uh, profiles for incoming employees. But what would be your best tip as far as from the recruiting or the onboarding process for somebody listening to today's show?
1: Number one, slow down. Take your time. I mean, you know, and there's too often people, you know, to use a term fall in love, not literally, but they really like the applicant and they don't know why. If you ask them five hard questions, they can't even tell you. That's because they're being totally gut driven. So slow down, ask questions, make it an interview, make it a group interview. If you've got a good team of people in a tight culture, have the team in, interview this person have them sit in a circle in the middle of them all and they're all asking questions and they're watching the body language or watching the intonation or watching the honesty they're checking them out because that person will be added to their team maybe so slow down use the team to interview ask lots of objective questions and i would say just to back up use an assessment i mean look at the price versus cost again Not to repeat all that. Now, all of a sudden, you've got a system that works. You've got objectivity and you've got coaching reports coming out of these assessments that help to coach and lead the person. We're not all the same. Like you said, your husband in your illustration, not very creative. He shouldn't be if he's an accountant. Right. (laughs) You want the columns to be the same thing, the same size, the same color. You don't need somebody changing the whole structure of the spreadsheet. So, Yeah, those things are my key suggestions.
0: Well, and I really, really like that idea as far as getting your employees involved in the interviewing process because they are going to pick things up about that person. And you're right, they're going to be working with those people day to day. So to have that consensus with the rest of the team is of, yes, this is somebody who we want to work with. Yes, this is somebody who would be a good fit for us and getting them involved instead of putting everything on the leadership team and on HR who are not going to have the same day-to-day contact. That's a brilliant idea.
1: Well, there's lots of them. And I think the thing is, is from these programs, for the listeners out there, you have to incorporate these things. So hopefully you have a notepad and sometime shortly after you make some notes and bring it up with your people. Because uh, every company can be better, just like every sports team. And that's why they're always drafting. They're always looking. They're always bringing kids up from, you know, from the college level for a tryout, just like you. And turnover is not a bad thing. I guess I would conclude by saying, you know, turnover is a good thing. So you're losing people. That's okay. It's not necessarily a bad thing, depending why they leave, of course. You have to know why. But bringing in new talent I mean, and, and bringing in – even a senior person who's going to give you two or three years of solid experience to shore up your culture because you've got too many youthful people with no experience. So we have to look broadly. And so quite literally, there's some senior people out there with a ton of experience that are available. Don't look past them. Now, be clear. This is a two or three year contract. They'll leap at the opportunity. They'll leap in there and they'll put their experience to work and they'll bring a sense of seniority and of substance. And that's overlooked these days with too much of an emphasis on the youth. Don't be afraid, but be clear in your contractual obligations with them. Make it a short-term deal, two, three, five years, whatever it is that you want. And you will find an ample supply of people who will add an awful lot to your operation.
0: Wonderful. Well, Rich, as we get to the end of our time together, what are some of the ways that you work with your clients? And if somebody wanted to connect with you, what would be the best way for them to do that?
1: Well, it's uh, these days uh, with Zoom calls and uh, online uh, support. Uh, if they get a hold of me via email, uh, via the phone, we'll arrange a Zoom call. If you're doing recruiting, I can set you up with a system and you can administer it or I could administer it for you. In the case of applicants, I just need their name, their email address. I need a job description. I will ensure they get the assessment done. I'll get the resultant data into your hands. In the case of fitfirsttech.com, I will arrange the same sort of thing. Arrange to administer it for you or set you up. You could administer it and funnel all those applicants and get all of that done. When it comes to coaching, I can work with your with your managers again to help them transition to coaches and leaders. Uh, there's books that I recommend, including my book, uh, which I'd send you a copy of. It's called You Working With You. Hey, if you can't work with yourself, who can you work with? Right. So my email address is simply my name, Richard at Richardmoray.net. So that's Richard at Richard, M-O-R-I-N, like November.net. And my phone number is 705-790-6843. Uh, you'll find me on LinkedIn, of course, and probably everywhere else <laughs> other than the wanted bulletins. Yeah, yeah we're here to help. Uh, we love helping companies. My, my goal is to help people enjoy their work life. It's such an important aspect to life. When people are matched correctly, the company benefits, the person benefits, it's really unkind, it really is unkind to hire too rapidly, make a mistake, and then try to fire the person later and then get caught in all kinds of additional costs. Slow down, you know, make these hires um, mean more, Uh, you will never hit 100%, but you'll certainly increase your odds a lot.
0: Wonderful. Well, Rich, thank you so much for being on the show today. It's been a great talking with you.
1: Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And for you listeners, nice meeting you. Have a good day.
0: I'm Lisa Ryan, and this is the Manufacturers Network Podcast. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Hey, do me a favor. If you like what you've heard, please subscribe and give us a five-star rating. Also, feel free to share the podcast with your friends and colleagues so we can grow the network and connect more fantastic folks just like you. You can either go to the website at manufacturers-networks.com or share the podcast on your LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you and your industry friends hang out. The bigger and faster we grow this network, the stronger and deeper community we will have. I appreciate you. Thank you.